So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again after a week's hiatus. Apologies to everyone, we had to take last week off, but we're back this week. Uh, this week, actually got Billy back again, which is great. Billy, a couple of weeks off for you as well. How has Supercoach treated you the last fortnight? It was horrendous last week, but managed to break the path anyway. <laughs> just ended up, uh, thought I'd be a little bit cheeky and give uh, Teddy the straight C just to avoid an AE, but I think Teddy was the AE, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about this, um, actually, because we didn't talk last week, but I ended up doing the same thing. I was VC Teddy the whole week and C Lolo and um, ended up just changing straight to C Teddy because I just sort of, I didn't want to watch. I was all ready to watch that Thursday night game and, and pumped up for it. And I just went, oh, playing the Dragons. I just don't want to watch Teddy and have the VC. And then I looked at my squad and... I was going to cop a really crap score. Like, I, I had Avarillo and, and guys there like that that were going to maybe throw up a six like Avarillo did. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I, I can't be in the position where Teddy throws up like 105 yeah. and, and I can't loop it, you know, and then I'm just going to get the shits all weekend. So I just went, nah, I'll just go for it. What's the worst he could do? You know, 70 points is probably his floor. And, of course, he throws up 47 or whatever it was. So, yeah, yeah. wasn't good. Did- did exactly the same, mate. Just kind of figured, you know what? Need, need to catch up, need some points. Um, everyone's going to be CT. At, at, at the very least, just, just negate the, uh, the auto emergency. Just do the straight C. At the very least, he's going to chuck a 70. But yeah, not to be, mate. Uh, so that, that worked out alright. But, um, yeah, still a little bit behind the eight ball. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the, the good thing is for guys like me and you, with how it worked out, Tom Alolo didn't have that big a game. He ended up on about 70-odd. So it wasn't a, a huge hit, uh, and not many people... Obviously, Ponga was the captain of the round. Not many people put the captaincy on Ponga anyway. So especially people in the top sort of 10,000, I don't think that many many threw it on Ponga. So it's... I don't think that you would have fallen too far behind with it. No, I know, like I still ended up scoring around a 1250 mark, which wasn't too bad. It was okay. Um, I actually thought that I was going to score a lot worse than that, especially when I got to the Sunday and I had four plays in that Eels Sharks bloodbath of a game and thought, oh no, <laughs> I'm going to get five points each from these five bastards. Yeah, it's going to be interesting this weekend too, because, um, Katie's first up, uh, yeah, first game of the week, so smaller turnaround for some guys, usually the Thursday night game, historically the Thursday one, uh, most of the scoring, but it's, it's up of the, it's up against a depleted storm, although Chooks are depleted as well, and, uh, he's actually scored a little bit to talk about here, I suppose. Yeah, it's going to be a juicy episode of the All Stars podcast, that's for sure. Uh, before we get to TLT though, what we're going to do this week, everyone, is that we're going to have a bit of a strategy discussion first up. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of Supercoach strategy. Now, it's still going to be TLT and we'll still go through all the trades and stuff, but we'll do that after this segment. So, as far as this season goes, uh, it's probably one of those things, Billy, where I know it sort of caught me, but we're coming up to um, round 14 and normally you sort of feel, oh, that's okay because we're used to a 25-round season and this is kind of the time where you've come out of the first big buy a couple of weeks ago and you're sort of, you know, or basically the halfway point. Of course, as we know, this is a shortened season. So all of a sudden, um, when you have a look at your trades, you don't have very many suddenly. 
and we're now including this round, only seven weeks off the season being done, uh, only a month off, off head-to-head, um, head-to-head finals starting. So getting very close to the meaty end, I kind of hit panic buttons a little bit last week because I looked at my um, squad and went, oh, no, I, I actually am starting to run out of trades. And it was, it almost feels like it was a little bit of a fallacy now when we were talking about trade numbers. And let's talk about that first. You know, me and you both said, and, and you in particular, were like, oh, we basically got unlimited trade. The problem is that I, I don't think anyone expected the amount of casualties, um, whether it be from guys getting dropped out, guys like Penguin Jr. just getting sacked and, you know, all this other stuff and the injuries thrown into all key players like Kevin Smith and Munster both hurt this week and so forth. It, it really has played havoc with us having to burn trades every week to actually just put out fires as opposed to building our team. For example, I've got um, my 10 trades left and I'm kind of now having to push back and, and my strategy, my trade strategy for my team, I, I'm actually needing to be pretty frugal with my trades. I don't have the luxury of just sort of getting to centre wing in for a week or two and then getting rid of them now. So my strategy, Billy, and then I'm interested to hear about whether yours is any different. But getting a match-up guy, I end up having to uh, have sort of getting someone in who can keep around a sort of depth as sort of that 18th man and rotate them in when I need to. Uh, but I, I basically have ruled out I can't get any cash cows, I can't get any cheapies, and I'm going to have to start looking at nuffs as well. Yeah, same. You will spend uh, a bucket load of inch. You're, you're at the sort of deep end now where you probably should have uh, de- decent depth, if, if not if not sort of injured guys like Munster be able to be able to sort of sit at the bench knowing you got some half-decent cover. So um, I wouldn't be going spending uh, money on uh, unless you needed to win sort of a head-to-head matchup or nullify someone. And, you know, you, you didn't have Teddy or you didn't have SJ and you just needed to make the semis. That would be the only, only, only reason I would do that now. You, got, you probably need sort of four or five trades up your sleeve for injuries between now between now and the end of the year for, like, for what, six or seven rounds, I think it is. And you can probably use the other sort of five trades to a couple of cash outs and a couple of upgrades just to kind of with you on that one. But I think most people should be frustrated. Well, it's hard because I think it's the injuries have really played havoc. Looking at a team yesterday, for example, it's really hard for a few of the teams though because um, to be full strength, like a team that I looked at last night that was asking questions had TPJ, Harry Grant, Cameron Smith, Munster, um, and a, a couple other guys that we injured as well that um, it, it struggled to know what to do. And really with those sides, they, they are struggling to be full strength and it's a matter of they're really in a, a hard spot where you're, you're going to have to sell someone like a Cam Munster. You're not going to be able to hold them because there's just too many other injuries in your side and you can't afford, you know, four, five, six guys that are between five and 700 grand sitting on your bench not playing. Yeah, I, I think this is where a lot of a lot of the teams in the top 100 are going to get, get unstuck. Um, I've had a look at if you look at the top sort of 15, 20 teams, there are some in there that are absolute skeletons. Like they've got seven, eight nuffs and like full 17, like with, with guys like Man and Lomax, um, um, uh, like the, the, the two, the two gun fullbacks in Cube, but they've, they've got nothing else. Um, there's also some very astute coaches in the top sort of 10, 15 where, where they, where they've got a little bit of depth. I mean, uh, uh, um, without trying to sound like a wake, I look, I look at my team and yep. think, wow, my, my team is a lot stronger than those. But I've, I've got guys like Smith, Madison, Munster, who I can safely sit on the bench because I've got about 19, 20 guns already. But doesn't mean shit if you're not using them. The other guys are going full out warfare, you know, playing the full 17 and just nothing out left, right and centre. So I suppose it's a question now how many teams, like, 
what's the right combination? How much depth do you need to get through the next six or seven weeks to overtake the guys? I know myself, I'm aiming for uh, 21 guys that are very playable, and that's sort of my aim. Uh, three of them, um, I'll, I'll either have three muffs or I guess maybe four if you count like Willie Army, the, the great cat that never was. Um, I'll probably have four nuffs including Willie Army and that's kind of my, my build. You know, I've got guys that are going to stick around like Kikau, um, won't be one of my top forwards, but he's someone that I can continue to play down the stretch. Um, Luke Keery and Moses in my halves, I'm not going to be playing a week and that's fine. It's not really worth trading them out at this point. I'll just leave them there for depth. And then um, in the centre wing, I've got uh, Kotrick stinking it up, who I, I knew was going to stink up. I benched for like a month straight, and he's just going to sit there. And just if I need him, or I can rotate him in for a matchup, I'll leave him there. So I guess this is kind of um, one of the advantages, I guess, and one of the things to look at is when you're trading guys out, always trade the guy out, in my opinion anyway, that you know you're never going to... You know, I'm, I would be comfortable keeping Kotrick over someone like um, the Hammer because the Hammer the hammer could get dropped. The Hammer can score a 10 very easily. Um, Kotrick's not great, but he does have a good draw where I can I can throw him in against the Gold Coast Titans or whatever. Um, I don't really want to throw in the Hammer as much. I kind of want him out of the side. He's got more of an AE nightmare um, probability. Likewise, when you're looking at someone in the forwards like Tanua Brown, for instance, versus a kick out, you know, of course I'm going to keep a kick out because I, I can play kick out. I cannot play to Noah Brown. So those are the kind of decisions that you should have been making through the year um, and some of the ones that I'm trying to make now to clean out the dead wood, I guess. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, sometimes it's better just to get rid of the uh, 350k forward puck in the 35s versus the uh, the volatile centers for a quarter like um, Kotrick who could punch and dog shit, dog shit scores, but, you know, it's got like a, a run of, um, I can't remember, remember what it is, but I know the uh, Raiders have, I think, one of the best runs coming up. Um, it's the reason why I bought Bateman this week. I'm pretty sure they've got a, a combination of a couple of teams like, you know, Warriors, Titans or Warriors, Dogs or something like that. So um, an outside back with uh, that's that sort of scoring potential. What, what are you sort of aiming for as far as your Nuffs first um, playable guys? Honestly, I haven't thought about a number, um, but the, uh, what I'm sort of leaning, going towards is just having a pure, like, pure four stack, seven three quarter with, um, all nuffies there. I've got Luai as a single backup, which I rotate between enough, uh, backwards and backwards and forwards as backup and halves. And then I'm full stacked up front with, um, with Jules with any sort of one nuff in the second row that I can go backwards and forwards with, um, Forward rotation. So to answer your question, I think I've only got one, two. So I've got four nuffs and a, a dual A. Worst okay. case scenario, nine, yeah, that's pretty similar to me. What do you think's the like? If you've got a choice in the matter, what do you think's the, the? I guess the ultimate nuff number. I mean, to me, I think three to four. Every side should kind of be at that. Yeah, it depends on your jewels. Like if, if you've got enough. Like for instance, um, if you've got a. If you've got Yeo in the second row, for example, and you've got and you've got a single nuff down at a centre three quarter that you can use to rotate up and down, or a, a fullback that's a, that's a dual with a centre three quarter, and you can rot- you can rotate either way, so you've got multiple combinations that can actually back up for, for injuries in multiple locations. It makes it easier. You can probably only go with a, a, you can go with. And just one or two nuffs if you, if you want. Yes, when you're looking at nuff strategy, particularly for the 
the newer guys to super coach, it's really important how you're doing it. Um, you know, there was, there's even some experienced guys in one of the groups that we're in. Um, a couple of them were lamenting the fact that they owned young Bailey from the Roosters on the weekend because he ended up getting a start. <laughs> He's which guy oh, that's just not going to get a start. You know, um, I think Jared Anderson from the Bulldogs is a dual centering second row. I don't even think that he's in the squad. I don't even think he's in the bubble. So that, that's sort of what you need to find out. Make sure who you get cannot play. Dane Laurie was another one where there was like an example on the weekend where somebody did the failed loop on Ponga where they, um, they captained Laurie to get Ponga's points up, jeez. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. And just, just, just as an example, look, at the moment, um, I have to play Lua at the moment because Munster's injured. But if I get rid of Hammer next week and Janua Brown and all of a sudden Cam Smith comes back, if one of my centre three quarters drops out, I don't have to uh, yep. worry about replacing him because my AE will be Cam Smith. So you, you can you can actually stack your team that much that you can have like forwards as your AEs for like your half or your centre three quarters. Yeah, so it is. I'm thinking it's definitely an option. Thin, like, I think um, a lot of teams the last few weeks have kind of got a glimpse on how important it is not to have the AE nightmare um, because there's been a lot of. A lot of injuries the last three weeks have meant there's been a lot of free swings, right? So a lot of teams have only had 18, 19 players, but unfortunately for some of them, their 18th or 19th players mean someone that's coming off the bench scoring 10, and and that that's the issue. Yeah, and you've got to be careful. This time of year is when you're going to get, you know, you know arsehole coaches resting players like Papin Hughes at the last minute, and all of a sudden, one injury, one rest. Or- Make sure that the nuffs that you're finding are actually really nuffs and they're not going to play. That's the first thing. Second thing for me, Billy, as far as enough criteria goes, uh, I want to make sure that I'm putting him in the right spot. Uh, I'm I'm loath to have enough hooker, for example. Um, I'm aiming to have one to two enough centre wings, um, probably one enough centre wing and one second row enough that's the dual second row forward, front row forward. That's the two first enoughs that I think anyone should be getting in their side. That's just me, though. I want a, a second row, front row forward enough. And I want a um, second row center wing nuff in my center wing, and that's kind of how I start off with my nuffs. How do you sort of look at it positionally? Yeah, I bought in um, like a, a, a dual second row hooker for, for that reason. So depending on how on, on how they perform or injuries, you've got multiple outs. You could trade out your, your second row or your, your hooker, and and and, and, and rotate things around. Yep, Cash. Um, my front row forward now as well because. You've got four front row forward spots. I think we've discussed and agreed that front row forward has actually gotten a lot better than what we thought it was, but it's still not the strongest. Um, and out of four spots, you really only need three front row forwards there, particularly if you've got duels, you can even do it less. So uh, a front row forward dual nuff uh, there as well isn't bad. I've actually got three at the moment. I've got one in front row forward, one in second row forward, one in centre wing, and they're all duels. I'll tell you what, speaking of front row forwards, it's, it's nice to finally see someone come out of the Tika, oh geez, he ticks a lot of the boxes. I'm, that's probably the thing that I'm filthiest with on not having the podcast last week, is that he was one of my first purchases. You'd, I must admit, I'll, I'll give you that, you did call him out. I think he, I think he was an obvious for, an obvious buy with Golki, but I think the stats you threw out were pretty good. Probably covers sort of team build roughs. Um, obviously, we both said cash cows, you're not going to get in your, Basically only getting in keepers or nuffs at this point, I think, um, or guys that you're happy to, to bring in and keep there as depth. Now, if you don't have depth, um, I think I'd be recommending to everyone to start to look at getting depth. Um, the team that I was talking about last night that I saw that needed a hand, I had a very similar team um, that had four or five injuries, 
and they couldn't even field 17. Um, and the thing that I said to them is, geez, you know, I know that you're not, I know that you're not going to be getting in guns with these two trades, but if it was my team, what I would be doing is getting in two guys that you can afford to get in and play because the problem was they had zero bank and they couldn't do, uh, they, they could only get enough and a gun and that was still only going to give them, um, sort of 17 players and not a very good 17 players. So, I actually said to them, look, I wouldn't get a gun this week. I would get some sort of fringe guys like a Kikau and Moses because they're cheap enough for you to get. And at least that way you're actually going to have the depth when Cameron Smith and Munster comes back where you can actually use some depth. Um, and I think that's important. So you mentioned some of those people in the top sort of 100 that only have sort of 17 or 18 players. Uh, I, I'm loathe for us to give advice to people that are ahead of us in the top 100, but... In saying that, you know, I look at those teams and go, geez, I would be getting some guys in to make sure I had sort of 20, 21 players rather than just getting a gun this week. I'd get two sort of mid-range guys. I'm happy to give advice, mate. <laughs> Don't think anyone's going to listen to me anyway. I might get the red card pulled. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, mate. Um, I think, um, I think what, what, I think a couple of the best ways to get forwards at the moment is n- n- number one, a little bit of depth. No, no, number two, just just remember that just because you're paying $700,000 for a player doesn't mean you're going to get you know, an extra sort of 60, 70 points. It just means you're more than likely to get probably an extra 20 points as opposed to a cheaper player. Um, remember this, even guys like the like the Burgess brothers um, coming off the bench and only playing sort of you know, 45 minutes, 40, 40, 45 minutes, they're still going to punch that 50, 55. And you can pay, you know, sort of top dollar for, you know, a, a front row, a front row forward or someone like, someone like, even, even like Carrigan as, as a lesser example, who everyone has. And he, he, he's sort of punching 60, 65. So for an extra 400k, you're not getting too much extra. You're just getting that, the, the comfort level of it. So it's, uh, not the worst strategy in the world just to sort of, you know, punch, punch out, find someone low value, play them and then try to eject somewhere where, you know, there's massive value. I think one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years that I took me many years to learn is sometimes you just zero in on a gun that you want and it doesn't matter how your team is, it doesn't matter what's happened the last couple of weeks, you just decide you have to get them in this week because you want them for the draw, you want them for this week's matchup. And, and one of the most crucial lessons I've ever learned in Supercoach is that you just have to be able to say no and just say, no, nah, I'm not going to do it, I'm, I'm just going to not, I'm going to live without having that gun this week or next, and I'll get them later. Uh, a lot of teams don't do that. A good example this week is, you know, I think that Bateman is a great buy. Uh, I, I, you know, I think he's one of the better buyers for this week. But I've looked at some teams that really needed a secondary forward, and they could have got Bateman in, and I've actually said, no, you know what, I wouldn't if I was you, because if you get Bateman in, you have to get enough, and your team's super thin, and you could either get, you know, Bateman and enough in, or you could actually get... Um, TKO and Kiko in. And for a team that only has sort of 18 players and three of them are really shit, getting Kikau and TKO in as opposed to enough and Bateman is a lot more beneficial for that team now and down the track. So just park how good Bateman is for a week, get him next week and just put it off because you're going to be a lot better off with it. And sometimes I think we get blinkers on Billy where we just zero in on the one gun player we want and we think we have to do it at all costs that week. Yeah, it's simple math, mate. 65 plus 65 is 130. Do the numbers and you'll probably see a good answer for it. Mate, the last thing that we're going to talk about as far as um, 
this kind of last seven weeks of the season and and strategy for building your team and finishing off your trades. Questions come up quite a bit, uh, actually, at this point. It's very important for the last seven weeks on at what point do you actually um, pay to get someone in when they're heavily priced and have a huge break-even. So Bateman's a good example. Bateman's got a, a break-even of over 100, and obviously a lot of people were sort of looking at getting him this week, but you've got some people holding off. At this point of the season, I think the last sort of six or seven-week run, break-even's become a little bit irrelevant with guns because you want to get him in as quick as you can. Just I think the most important thing is when you think about it, uh, you know, if you're going to wait a couple of weeks for the best value, like on someone like Bateman, yeah, you're going to spend less money to get him in, in say, three weeks' time. But then instead of having him for seven games, you're only going to have him for four games. And that actually reduces his value despite the monetary saving that you're getting. Uh, and the other thing too with that is that draw becomes a big big part of it. So if you're going to miss uh, three games the next three weeks that are probably the best draw for Bateman in the next two months, you're going to just leave points on the table and way too many points on the table. So it becomes largely irrelevant for me, Billy. When I'm building my side for the last sort of six or seven weeks of a season, I really don't care about break-evens that much. Um, if they're, you know, 200 plus break-even, maybe I'll care a little bit to wait a week. But I'm 100% going to trade guys in like a Bateman this week if I can, um, just based on points. Because I'm only after points and building my team now. I don't really care about the rest. And I'm going to hopefully try and find that money. Um, but a lot of people are sort of worried about doing that. So where do you stand on that? Do you do you think that people should be waiting for value or you should just be building your team as per your plan and, and forget about the break-evens, really? I agree with you 100%. Um, there's no point worrying about money right now. It's all about points. Because if you're going to play the... Um, what, what, wait. If you're going to wait until the, the absolute perfect time to buy someone every, every single time you buy or sell... It's not going to work because you'll be buying at exactly the same point as every every other man and his dog who can turn around and say, you know, oh, he's bottomed out and he's got you know, such and such a team this week. Well, um, what do you call it? He's got Broncos this week and Broncos Broncos and Cowboys are, are, are the new dog and Titans and Warriors, mate. Those are the ones that people leak, leak, leak points against, particularly the Broncos. We all know, we talk about this every week. They leak towards edges. He's on the edge. He's playing 80 minutes. He's in one of the better teams in the, in the comp. They're bouncing back this week. Got an epic draw. And it's not like his break even is 500, mate. It's only 100, for God's sake. So even, even if he punches us, what, a 55, you're not going to lose much and you're going to make it back the next couple of weeks anyway with a draw. So if you want the points, just go for it now while everyone else, not everyone else, but while a few people can't afford to get him and Madison and, I don't know, and SJ for, for, or for, uh, Munster and, you know, so the McInnes or whoever for, for Spitty. So, yep. Yep. Just one other thing. Um, the only other thing is, uh, if you need to make up points, um, so there's probably three things to think of. I'm just throwing these up on the spot here. So number one, um, it's not all about sort of getting better players. It's all, it's all about sort of negating your losses as well. So for instance, um, my season has been crucified for a long time purely because I didn't have Yeo down at the centre three quarter and had to play Hammer or did not own Lomax or Man and they've been going ballistic and I've had sort of pods down there. So if you need to nullify someone and then just get in a Lomax or get Yeo or get Nofo or just get someone down at centre three quarter, which is a highly volatile position, just to offset getting a potential 25 score, just for that loss of points is going to offset any sort of increase you can get in the second row. Secondly, 
um, if you're going to go for for guns, think of it twofold. Number one, if you uh, if you need to catch up or you need a pod C or VC, a bloke like uh, Sean Johnson is potentially going to get you 150 or 180 because he hasn't done it yet. You know he's going to have one of those games. If you if if you want to get that massive leg up, look for look for those guys that are going to give you a potentially explosive score. Don't expect it, but look for it, um, and then evaluate that against like your um, your high base guys, like your, your guys like Bateman, who are about to sort of go on a decent run and go. Look, do I need a really good second rower that's going to get maybe have some decent scores versus um, his soft draw, or do I need one pod like yes, not not a pod, but you know. A high flat guy like SJ, which is yep. going to stop me. Hundred percent with you on, on those points. Off. It's really good advice, and you bring up pods, and uh, and I really like that for um, things to think about for your run home strategy build of your team. Uh, it's it's definitely a decision making thing that you should use. So I know that we're we're super coach um, fanatics, where we're looking at it and talking about it all the time and stuff, and we've kind of got our got our final teams in our head and on paper and planned out and whatever. Some teams don't plan it out. Some teams sort of aren't sure on who their final team is going to be. If you've got several guys that you're thinking about, to Billy's point, uh, if you're chasing, then if you've got three forwards and you're trying to decide which one of those is going to be on your your run home team, if one of them's under 10% and the other two are 40%, then there's your answer. Just do it off the numbers, in my opinion, because obviously all three of those you think are good and you can't decide. Get the guy that can actually give you a leg up on the opposition if you really want to chase. Uh, and it can be valuable in head-to-heads as well because you need some differentiating players in your matchups to actually take out a grand final as well. And my last bit of advice is, uh, whether you're going good at super coach or not, um, actually probably more so if you're not, try to get a player from every single team in your squad so that you can <laughs> actually enjoy watching every single game of footy, whether you're enjoying it or not. <laughs> and, and throw it any time try score on, on on half a dozen votes. So, no, so I don't know about that. Like I know that the time went well on the weekend, but I can probably do without watching every one of their games every week and um and how the Cowboys play. I always sell time alone not to watch them. <laughs> Let's move on to TLT. And it is one of those three or four week periods where it just seems that there's a heap of changes every week and a heap of injuries. Like I said, Roosters versus Storm is our first game of the round. Josh Morris comes back, which is good. Um, put Mitch Orbison back into the second row. Butcher goes back to the bench. Bailey sliding to the reserve, so there's no AE nightmare at the moment. We don't have Corner, Hargraves, Morris, Crichton back yet, but Kyle Flanagan did get named in the reserves. It'll be interesting whether Flanagan comes in. Um, I'm not really sure why... Robbo's put him in the reserves if he wasn't considering him because he, you know, it's, I would think that he would just leave him out. Um, but we'll see. For the Storm side of things, we've got Cameron Smith and Munster both out. Now, we knew about Munster from last week. Um, Cameron Smith, however, there was rumours circulating that he'd probably come back for this week. He, he's healthy enough to play. That hasn't happened, so it's a big blow for those that own Cameron Smith and Munster. Um, and Ryan Pappenhausen does return, though. He was just rested last week. So that's good news for Pap owners, pretty bad news for the Munster and Smith owners for the first game. As far as this game goes, Billy, let's talk about Market Watch first of all. Now, as far as the top players go, 
there isn't really anyone in either of these teams that's being heavily purchased. None of the none of the teams involved in this matchup are involved in the top ten most traded in players. Top ten most traded out though, we've got Cameron Munster there. Now almost ten percent of coaches are jumping off Munster. And I've heard two different arguments on this. Uh, I mean, I've heard that, you know, maybe you should try and just hold him. Um, he could come back in a couple of weeks, and it certainly happened before where he's come back earlier than what you expected. Obviously, I've seen teams, like I gave examples of before, where they're just shot to bits, and you've got to trade someone because you can't have five guys, 600-plus in value, sitting on your bench not playing, uh, and Cameron Munster's a likely casualty. I don't mind trading him, um, and I kind of think it makes sense, especially if you don't have a Nathan Cleary or Sean Johnson, you can go Munster straight to one of those guys. Where do you stand on, on Cameron Munster being heavily traded out this week? Yeah, I, I just get rid of him, mate. Um, it's not like he's had any sort of massive tons or is likely to have any in, the, in his last three games that are going to crucify you. So as long as you're offsetting him with someone who's going to score 65 points in a round or a higher sort of base, then... If you, if you didn't have heaps of injuries, I, I think it can make some sense to hold him. You know, the last three rounds of the season, they've got the Cowboys, the Tigers and the Dragons. So conceivably over that period, he could put up, you know, a 90 average for the, the well, the fantasy playoffs for head to head. So it does make sense, I guess, if you can hold him to, to maybe do it, but I suppose not many teams would be able to. I, I'm back straight, I think, almost every week. Um, I think there might have been a uh, one round or two where I didn't, do every trade, but I've got, yes, I've got 10 left after trades this week. So, um, look, I still think there's enough trades in there to sort of get, get him back. I think, I think that's still a lot of coin that you can actually use in the interim because it's not like he's gone for just, um, one or two rounds. I think he's gone for, for a good, for a good three. So, um, and look, given where they are on the ladder, I don't think they're going to rush him back. Uh, once he comes back, it'll be full shuttle, but, um, yep. Smithy will be back by then, so he's not going to be kicking goals, so he can take those points off him again. So Now, yeah, we're going to talk I, I, about I James Tedesco. Scored 47 on the weekend. Worst score since round one. Coming up against the Storm side that um, that many will think is a, a really tough matchup. Uh, he's now got a big break-even. So he's got a break-even of 145. He's dropped down to 737,000, which is a couple hundred grand drop in a few weeks. Um, so he has started on that downward spiral. Become very affordable. I actually think people should be looking at buying him for this week, um, despite uh, that big break-even, because uh, I'm not saying to definitely do it, but I think it's a consideration only because of two factors I keep looking at. Um, one, he's gone pretty average for a few weeks in a row by his standards, so I don't see him continuing that on. Two, he, like you said, in round um, not that long ago, put up a big score against the Storm of 108. And that was in a really dour contest, uh, which was a pretty tough game. And he still managed 108 points and looked really good. And three, he hasn't actually scored a try for a long time by his standards. I think it's been like the better part of six weeks or something. He's due to go over the stripe. And finally, I really don't know what to make of this storm side this week because no Cameron Smith and no Cameron Munster. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that they might really struggle without those two guys, Billy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but I think... Uh... Chooks aren't exactly full strength either, so um, given the Storm's defence, but yeah, I think they probably lack a bit of attack without Smith and um, Munster. You got, you got to take into account too. One of the so it was a bit um, it was a bit of a, Thursday night was a bit of a slog fest 
you you have a new half in there was basically throwing the ball behind Teddy. Had no structure. Had no idea how to actually, uh, get, give him the ball. Um, so Kiri had Kiri had a bit, bit more left. It was a really ugly sort of game. Um, uh, with trying to involve Teddy uh, the, the week before. Yeah, he had a. Um, it was it was that the wet game or the week or the week before that, but there was there were yeah there, there was one game where it was just they were playing in mud, mate. A fullbacks aren't going to score 150 in mud. No 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 one is. The fact that he still scored what, 75 or 77 or something or other, I think just shows his quality. So um, I don't think he's going to score a 40 again. But I'll tell you what, I'm not I'm not happy enough with um, uh, the, the new half. The, the new half in there to get any sort of confidence that he's going to throw anything bigger than 120 to loop. So I'm not going to worry about looping in, but uh, I'm, I'm a bit, bit against you there. I wouldn't buy him this week, but that's only because they haven't got like a, um, you know, a Kronk flooding in there. Like, I, don't, I don't rate flooding in that much. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that if I was intending on buying him this week, I wouldn't be put off by the last couple of weeks of scores if that was part of my plan. I don't think it's bad, just bad just to go ahead. Um, and consider it, uh, despite his break even oh, okay. and stuff, because he is one of those guys, like we said, where, uh, if you're building your team and you need a fullback and you kind of said everywhere else, and this was the week that you're going to get Teddy in or the next, you know, or last week and you didn't and you wanted to look at him, I don't think it's that bad because, I mean, like Bateman, he, he could throw up 108 points and then, yeah, you save 30k, but you get your 108 points and I don't really think it's that bad a matchup. Don't go out and find ways to buy him. I'm not saying that. I just don't think it's as grim as it looks if you were looking at buying him. Uh, I don't think he's going to do what he did the last few weeks. I'll tell you what, though. If you did own him and you didn't own Ponga, Ponga this week, I would I'm not say it's, it's the worst trade to do, but I would, or, or the best, that I, I, I would even consider sort of selling sort of Teddy to Ponga this week, given the high break in for one, the low break in for the other, one, uh, one person coming in. To, uh, into his own and be able to use that cash to maybe sort of upgrade sort of somewhere else the, the following week, even if it is, is going just sort of back yeah, to sort of I, Teddy. I'm not a um, fan of doing with, that um, one. Getting rid of your other um, only because, again, if he throws out his 108, you're not really going to save that much cash and then you've got to burn a trade to get him back in. And even people that have saved trades still only have 12 or 14, which with the rounds left and the injuries that we've got, I don't know whether that's, that's going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, they've got the Tigers next week too, so I'm really wanting in for that game. Like, if you can't get Teddy this week or you don't want to and that's fine, you'd have to get him in next week for that Tigers game, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. 100%, mate. 100%. As far as the other players in this Roosters Storm matchup, I don't think that there's a huge amount of other players to talk about other than uh, TKO. So, CSCY Tatiaho. Went on an absolute tear last week. Uh, I've talked about him for a few weeks. I ended up trading him in last week, and I, I could not be happier uh, with that trading. His numbers have looked mint, but he played 80 minutes um, on the weekend. Some people lamented the fact that he didn't goal kick for the whole 80 minutes, even though he was on. Guys, he's a prop forward. <laughs> he's just had to go through 80 minutes. Give the guy a break from goal kicking the last 20. Um, he still kicked a few goals. So... He looks like he's going to continue goal-kicking now, which is great. Um, he might not get 80 minutes, but I think that he's locked in a sort of a, a, a 60s role, which is which is all he really needed. So the numbers that I sort of mentioned in one of yeah. our groups, Billy, um, he was averaging around about 71 points uh, since round six, I think it was, and he was doing that um, in sort of uh, close to 65 minutes. And that sort of, that sort of scoring without goal-kicking... Um, at around 550k, you could not ignore it. Like he, he just 
once that goal kicking came into the equation, I just saw him as a massive buyer on the weekend, and I mentioned him as one of the few guys I was considering buying on Twitter. I couldn't have been happier purchasing him, uh, and you know he's still relatively cheap. Uh, are you looking at buying him? Do you think that people should be looking at him this week? Hundred percent, probably one of the. Uh, he's probably even a bigger buy over Bateman at the moment, purely because of the guaranteed points in goal kicking, um, and he fills that sort of second second front row front row forward spot. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to get him this week, but I can't. I'm just. Or I probably could, but I'm just sort of electing to get two guns as opposed to one, just due, due, due to the composition of the team. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, him goal kicking gets rid of the risk that he might play sort of less than 60 minutes, or maybe sort of rotate with Lilo and have have an anomaly where he sort of starts from bench. Although he hasn't sort of done that for a while, so that risk has kind of dissipated somewhat. But even if he's only goal kicking for the first sort of 40 minutes, mate, it's so just think of it as a couple of free off, free four point offloads before the game even starts, and then sort of throwing these offloads, you're pretty much getting an extra 16, 20 points a game. For- so even though I'm not expecting 80 minutes again, um, it wouldn't surprise me if it ended up happening because without Jared there, um, they're going to rely on him again. He was by far and away the best player on the field last week um, by a very, very, very long margin. He ended up with I think 27 hit ups, 37 tackles, and two offloads. In his 80 minutes as a prop forward, and watching the game, he was he was absolutely on fire. Yeah, yeah, agree, mate. Now, as far as uh, other guys in this matchup are concerned, for captaincy and vice captaincy options, have you got any here that you're looking to throw the VC on? Certainly, no early C on Teddy again. You got burnt last week, so any VC options? Probably a long stab at, at the stumps, and I wouldn't recommend it. But if you needed to. Um, there's a small percentage of people that actually own Ikevalu. Like he, he had a HIA last week, um, and he had a uh, an anomaly for the week before. I think he scored 45, 49 or something rather with, with no tries, again, on the right-hand side. Uh, I don't know whether this is just shit luck or what, but if Brett if Brett Morris can average 90 on the wing at the Chooks and all of a sudden Ikevalu with a base twice of Morris can go over to that side and score nothing... For two weeks, mate, he's due. He's very, very due. Although it, uh, uh, I would pop, I'm selling him this week purely because with his break even versus the storm, you know, you know what the storm are like, mate. He's probably only got one more, one, one more week left because before Morris comes back. But if you're in a predicament where you do own him and you can't actually sell him, um, Maybe throw a sneaky VC on him. Oh, I think I'd rather throw the VC on Teddy just in case he does throw up 150. It's one of those games where you could play the numbers a little bit. And Teddy's just been so heavily ridden the last sort of few weeks and people have been constantly disappointed that I just think everyone's going to say basically get stuff to Teddy. I don't think you're going to find very many people at all that are going to put the VC on him and no one's going to put the C on him, I don't think. So it could be a sneaky VC because I think that you'll find that not very many people will do it. Um, so if you're pretty confident in your captaincy option, you don't really see any other big VC options early in the round for your squad with who you've got. Uh, I actually don't mind it because I think it's a it's a play that not many are going to make. If you think that um, what do you call it, uh, Storm are not going to have much momentum with um, uh, Smith out and Munster out, what probably and Chooks are actually dominant right inside. Probably, probably not the worst. Uh, there is one other rooster I'll give a shout-out to, uh, not as a VC or C option, but 
Um, if somebody was looking at uh, at downgrading for some quick cash, Boyd Cordner's apparently struggling to even get back next week. Um, he might not be back for a couple. So if that's the case, Satili Tupanu, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and then he got killed in that Titans game by getting moved to centre. He threw up 86 points on the weekend with his try and line break, and he did the same thing again that he does every week where he had another one where he got through and he, he almost scored but got held up. So he could have easily been 120-plus points last week against the Dragons. Unlikely to do that against the Storm, but he's 350k with a 19 BE. So if you are one of those teams with no depth or not enough people to play and you needed to downgrade to get a gun, um, you could do him for a couple of weeks. And if he's playing the Tigers' edge next week, that's going to be pretty pretty scintillating for him. I'm not going to go for a 20-plus Roosters win or anything like that, even though I've been ribbed a couple of times for, for those predictions. Honestly, mate, I reckon this is like a 16 all or 18 all type affair. I, I can't see it being massive on, on our side, and both teams are way too good. Um, I think just out of the class that we got in the spine, I think we'll get us a, as 10 points better. I mean, a tough, tougher contest, but I think there'll be some ex, extra points there. Well, mate, look, our spines, our spines intact. All right, <laughs> then. No, I, 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 mate, I know what you're saying. I just find it fun. If you listen to all our fans, all, all three of them, they, they make fun of you each week. No, Chooks by 40, Chooks by 40. I, I love how oh, it's, a, it's the side of a three-peat champion right there. They're probably only going to win by 10. <laughs> <laughs> if Cameron Munster or Smith were playing, I, I wouldn't be saying that. Or if both of them were playing, I wouldn't even know what, whether we'd win. But those guys out of that spine just make such a huge difference. Uh, yeah. So I just think our, our spine's intact, and that's going to be a big one with no Cameron Munster and no Cameron Smith. Moving on to the next game. The Warriors versus Panthers. Warriors have got Heatherington suspended for four weeks. Played really well the last few weeks. It's been unfortunate for him. Lachlan Burr comes in, which isn't going to make much difference for Supercoach. Isaiah Papali'i comes onto the interchange bench for the Panthers. We've got no changes from last week's team, but Dylan Edwards is named in the extended bench. I would, I would very much expect him to come into contention, to come in and, and replace Aitkins at fullback. Um, no changes, obviously, Billy. As far as the market watch for this game goes. There's a few players of interest. Now, on the traded outside, we don't have any Warriors, uh, but we do have a lot of people trading out Jerome Luai. He's the seventh most traded out player. Makes total sense. I get it. So no real need to talk about it. There's some premium halves that people are trying to get to. On the traded in, um, Nathan Cleary is there at number six. 100% should be in number six. We should just take a moment to talk about how amazing Nathan Cleary is. He's, um, we've sung his praises all year, but he's still, he's in 35% of teams. He really should be more with how he's been playing. 88 points on the weekend, followed up from his 138 performance in round 12. Had his 51 in round 11, which is actually a shit score compared to what he's done the rest of the year. And he's only actually got three scores that are below 60-plus points. Um, he's just absolutely killed it. He's coming up against a Warriors side that if you're not one of those 35% that own him, I don't know why you're trying to get him in. I, he would be my number one trade in this week because he looks like a captaincy option straight off the bat. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you're going to do the uh, VC Teddy, he's the uh, he's the C option. I've got him as VC. I'm just skipping Teddy. I'm, I'm a bit sort of sceptical about throwing the C sort of straight on him, but I'll tell you what, he's pretty bloody consistent this year. Um, I really don't want to muck around, particularly given he's got a massive score versus the Warriors. He's been super consistent. He's got a break even at 37. He's not going to get much cheaper. This is the thing. So when we're talking about having to pay money for your run-home team, I'd come pretty close to saying that Nathan Cleary is the, the number one guy to get if you don't have him this week. 
I was going to say, I'm not sure about number one, but yeah, I probably agree with you. <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> honestly, he's, he's a, he's a, he's high floor and he's propensity to get, propensity to go, um, kind of large. Um, even if he only scores 65, the difference between him and what you would otherwise have in that seven slot probably negates, you know, any sort of second row, sort of 80 average at the moment. Cause you, you can throw in any, any, any set. Any second row at the moment, even even a guy like Rudolph or something or other, he gets sort of sixty points as opposed to Bateman score. But if you're getting, uh, uh, you know, a Moses twenty five, a lot of teams that have sort of got that Luai George Williams reserve um, five eight half pack type of build, um, and those guys can very well just do enough and get Cleary in, and that's one of the points where I would get enough in my halves to get Cleary in this week. Um, I think that you got to do it because he he could be seven hundred fifty grand next week and eight hundred grand the week after. Yeah, mate, you don't you don't want him to go up too much, uh, particularly versus that team. I was pretty hesitant to jump on the Crichton bandwagon six weeks ago, but I ended up doing it. I mentioned that unless he scores a try, it's it's really bad scores, and of course he's now scored a try, Billy, in every game this year, bar three, and from round six when we first started talking about him. He scored a try every week, round six through round thirteen, uh, with a couple of those weeks being doubles. So he's just been a try scoring machine. He's now up to an average of fifty six points uh, for the season, um, but he does have a three round average of sixty one and a five round average of seventy six. So he's been on fire. He's five hundred fifty k now, so he isn't really particularly cheap. Um, but as far as center wings go, I've got to say, like I've I've really struggled this year trying to get center wings, and I'm happy to just leave there. Um, and Crichton was actually one that I threw there that I was happy to leave. And against the Warriors side this week, I'm hard-pressed to think that he's not going to score again this week up against the New Zealand Warriors. He's got the Sharks the week after, the Tigers and the Broncos. Plays your reels in 18, but then he finishes on the, the Cowboys and the Bulldogs. So, geez, if you're struggling for centre wing, it's he almost looks like a good purchase. Yeah, he's got such a low, low shitty base, but I'll tell you what, he just keeps producing... I blame his success yeah, on the wise failures, mate, because he cannot pass the ball to Mansell. <laughs> Don't say, no, it, it's that little, it's that little sort of grub room behind the line. He's always looking for, for, um, Crichton or Kickout. Kickout's too slow to get there, so Crichton always picks it up, mate. But that's the reason for his success. Nothing short, not, no, not, not nothing longer than that. Um, is he going to keep doing it? <laughs> as long as Luai, is on that left-hand side, mate. He's just going to keep doing it all day, every day. So he's going to get some more. Um, how, it's just probably just a question of how many he gets. It, how many he gets, hey? Like, is he going to do one every week, or is he going to have, have one, one every sort of second week, or is he going to go for a double? So I think you're pretty safe owning him. I wouldn't buy him because I just don't like the flaw and the fact that he, he's surely due to miss one, and you're going to get that sort of 35 score. But I'll tell you what, he... It's, it's there's not there's not many there's not many players that play one position where you've got one sort of key playmaker that goes consistently consistently looking for you. Consistently being two dollars ten or two dollars thirty Crichton to get any time try and he's smashed it, you know, basically every week or yes, every week since round six. So you know, I think he's into a dollar eighty seven this week, but he's playing the Warriors and I mean this is the thing, like I sort of agree with you, Billy, that he probably can't keep it up, but when you look at his draw, he's He's going to score a try this week, so <laughs> I mean, he's got an 82 BE. You could wait a couple of weeks and maybe look at sort of the, that Tigers game and that sort of run for the end of the season. But as far as centre wings go, you'd be happy if you owned him, and if you don't, I think he's a consideration. 
Um, another guy that's been going a lot better, um, and I've mentioned as a bit of a mid-ranger, the last month is kick out, uh, and that was very much draw dependent. So, you know, against the Cowboys in round 10, he scored 67. Unfortunately, didn't play against the Titans, which was a bummer, but then has backed up the last two weeks, scoring 77 and 67. Obviously, last week he had the try, so, but that's what kick out does, um, when he scores well. He's now got a three round average of 70. He's still only 480 grand and he's got a 33 BE. I mentioned I'm happy just to leave him there as an alternating forward to put in for draws. Against the Warriors edge, um, he should go well this week. I said that there's some teams that can't afford to get in a gun, but need to get some warm bodies they can play. Um, you know, Kikau, I think, is one of the only guys that's sort of less than 500 as a forward that you can get in and actually be decent this week. Yeah, he's in the same boat as, uh, Luci- as uh, Luciano, mate. Um, I'm not sure if I would call him lazy, but I'll tell you what, I'll just say he's not not as involved as, as most other second rowers. I, I, I don't think many are on the left-hand side. I think sort of the right-hand side is just sort of that, that natural... Uh, that natural sort of cut across run, whereas left, because most players are sort of right hand, they just sort of cut out the second rowers and just kind of sweep out the back, out, out, out the back. So I, don't, I think that's the reason why he doesn't get as much base. But I'll tell you what, his sheer size, when Lowe does go looking for him, it's, he's, only, he's only got to bowl over a couple. His base is terrible, but, um, yeah, I, I will say the last four rounds of the season in particular, he's got three of the worst edges. As far as defence goes, he's going to hit the Broncos around 17, around 19 the Cows, and around 20 the Bulldogs. And those guys are going to have nothing to play for that last month too. And it's heading into the head-to-head finals. So I actually see him, if you can't afford like a gun forward and you need someone, I actually don't mind buying kick-out just because of the Panthers' great run. Do you do you think that if you needed someone sort of a bit cheaper that you could plug into your secondary forward, he's an okay buy? If you're head-to-head and you need a couple wins, I'll tell you what, it's... One hell of a matchup this week, and with, with with their draw, if you need if you need a bit of a sort of power play, you, you can probably do a lot worse than getting a second rower that's like a, a power player. He is someone you can get in and play this week, and just leave him out of your seventeen for some of these games, but have him as depth and be comfortable. You don't need to trade him out again. So uh, I actually think he's pretty decent for that. As far as the other uh, players go, I'm I'm loath to not talk about the New Zealand Warriors, but they don't have a hell of a lot going on. There was some news that maybe Tohu Harris was was hurt, but he's been named. Um, probably the main guy to talk about on their side of things is the guy that we've brought up recently, and that's Jazz Tavaga. Obviously, a lot of people um, have got a hooker replacement to do. Jazz was um, traded in in the top 10 last week. He got a 73, and the week before he got an 84. So the last two weeks have been fantastic. He's had 60 and 62 in raw base. He's coming up, obviously, against a harder team this week in Penrith, um, but he's shown that he's got the raw base ability. I just, I keep getting hung up on the minutes, Billy. He's only 537k, so for his output the last two weeks, it's been a lot of value, but he's only averaged 51 minutes a game um, the last two weeks, even though his minutes have gone up from when he first came back from injury. It still looks like he's only going to be around that 50-minute mark, and I'm just... I'm loath to sort of look at bringing him in. I've seen a lot of good super coaches throw him in as their second hooker now. Where do you stand on Jazz this week? Do you reckon that he's a buy? He's only got to be 40. He's probably going to be more next week. Nah, I, I wouldn't worry about it. It's not because of his lack of ability, mate. Like you said, the bloke sit the bloke sits on between 35 and sort of 50 within the sort of, in the first sort of 20 minutes of the game, but then he sits on that for the rest of the game and then punches out the last sort of 15 sort of 20 20 points. In his last sort of ten minutes, 
Yeah, I, I, I just can't get a look into my team and say instead of playing 50 minutes because he might be an absolute rock star, but you can get a look that's only averaging sort of, you know, a PPM, which is 25% less, but just plays the full game when you've got the guaranteed points as opposed to him trying to do his offloads. So. His PPM at the moment is just under 1.4. And, you know, even though he's a he's known as a worker, 2018 and 2019, he only averaged a 1.03 PPM. So he's going close to 40% bigger on a PPM rate than what he has ever done and what he has done the last couple of years when he's been consistently playing mid-50s um, in his minutes. So I'm just I'm not comfortable at all that he can keep up a 1.4 PPM. Um, I think it's going to go down. As far as the uh, game goes, Billy, um, I think they're going to win by 24-plus. They've been uh, probably the top side the last month of football. Looked really good. Uh, can you see it being any closer? Yeah, I can. Warriors have been playing some good footy lately, though. I'm not sure. Sure, whether it's just losing losing their coach or just a, a, a different style, mate. But they haven't been giving up. They've, they've been ripping in. I mean, I, I hope Cleary kind of tears, tears them apart and puts up a good, a good puts up a good uh, SC score. But I, um, if I was going to be betting on, on betting on on the match, I wouldn't be sort of betting sort of. Um, I, I'd be sort of betting for sort of values. The next game is Eels vs Dragons. This one's at Bank West. Now for the Eels, the main change is Ryan Madison's back. That's fantastic news for super coaches. Uh, for the Dragons side of things, Corey Norman's back. So that means that um, we've got Ben Hunt going back into hooker. McGuinness reverts to lock because of that as well. Trista Saylor is on the bench. We've got a pretty reduced forward pack as well for the Dragons. Tarek Sims is gone with his shoulder. Fui Mano comes in for him and Jackson Ford got suspended. Uh, Corbin Sims and Host coming on the interchange bench. So the forward pack's pretty weak for the Dragons this week. Coming up against the Eels, there's probably a few things to talk about as far as trainings and trade-outs. Uh, Clint Gutherson comes in on market watch at number nine, most traded out, which completely makes sense when people want to get Ponger in, so understand that happening. We've got a couple of players in the top ten most traded in, though. So Dylan Brown is number seven. I don't hugely get it, but he has been going fairly well. I'd rather be spending money on, on the top halves. Um, but Cam McInnes is someone that's interesting to talk about. 8% of coaches are bringing him in at the moment, Billy. I know that you're a big Cam McInnes fan. He's just under 600k. Um, he's been playing quite well. He has been pushed back to lock again. So however many minutes he gets a hooker remains to be seen. But obviously a lot of people have got Harry Grant. They're looking for a hooker replacement. He's a straight swap for Harry Grant, so fits the bill. He's coming off... 99 points against the Roosters on the weekend after his disappointing 51. He does seem to be alternating, um, like big week, bad week, big week, bad week, where he's gone like, you know, 99, 51, 83, 61 across his last month of footy. Uh, but obviously his base is really high. Do you, do you like getting him in as your second hooker? Yeah, I'm getting him as my first hooker this week. Um, uh, I bought in, uh, Brandon. I had Brandon Smith for two weeks because um, I thought he was going to play big minutes. Um, named us a lock and then uh, front row. And then Smith went down, so bringing him back this week. So I bought him back last week but didn't actually uh, do much. So I'll bring uh, McInnes as my primary this week. I think his just draw is just too, too good to resist. Um, like I said before, you um, before the pot, before the pot, you just got a high floor. So high, high floor, good base, good good draw. I think we called him out about six weeks ago. Lock, lock, hooker, exactly the same thing. Basically, just 
probably gets more tackles at at, uh, at, at uh, probably gets more tackles at um, at hooker, but Lock is pretty much still the middle of the field. Probably just gets more hit ups there as well, so kind of offsets it. Um, I think his attacking ability is probably better at hooker. When he is starting at thirteen, in his three games starting there, he's averaged sixty nine a game, which is seven points below his his season average, um, and a, a good ten points below what he averages when he's named at nine. So. He, he does have that difference. Um, now, you know, 69 points is still fine, so it probably doesn't make too much difference at his price point. It's still going to be great points. Obviously, there's going to be a few people that, that people are considering for hooker. McInnes is one. Cook's another interesting one because Cook's only like seven or 20 grand more than what, what McInnes is. Um, and you're obviously choosing McInnes over Cook. I just think uh, McInnes has a much higher floor. Uh, Cookie's got, you know, 50 or sort of 150 type of but I haven't seen as many sort of high scores lately. I don't know what the factor is, whether it's Bennett factor or Cook factor or or what, mate. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not a coach. All I know is that he just doesn't seem to have be, have that sort of edge that he did, did last year. So probably just going to lean towards the, the safer sort of, hopefully, 75 average from uh, McInnes as opposed to waiting for Cook to chuck up his, his uh, massive ton. But... Um, McInnes is about 17% owned at the moment. He's going to be about 25% owned after this round, um, which is going to jump over Cook's ownership at 19%. But Cook obviously hasn't been going as well, so I get it. Um, I'm probably just going to wait. Um, I'm, I've got a hooker to play in Chorus here. Uh, rather than get McInnes in or, or Cook this week, I'm just going to wait and see how it sort of pans out the next next week or so, I think. Um Having a look at the rest of this matchup, mate. Um, do you see? Do you see? Uh, I mean, Mike Acevo is somebody that we probably should mention because he has not been going well at all. I've got a bit of a theory, and look, I, I don't have any basis for this at all. It's just you know a, a football theory. I I swear that the last month of football, I've seen him a few times get physically angry and exasperated at the lack of ball he was getting. And I've mentioned it a few times that um, Dylan Brown is in a half that passes well, um, or he just doesn't pass. He runs a lot. On the weekend, that worked really well. You know, Dylan Brown ran um, pretty much every time he got the ball. <laughs> and uh, one of them led to a try, another one led to a line break. Like, he did really well. The problem is that it doesn't give his outside men much ball at all. And I've seen Sebo a few times now throw his arms up and just look like that he just was going to check out, and he sort of did. He just sort of wandered around. He didn't chase around, didn't go in field at all, didn't do anything. So I do wonder whether he started to get the shits a bit with the amount of ball he's gotten. He's, his base is down a good 15 20% um, from his base and base attack last year. He's just not getting in and doing it. The last you know three weeks, uh, the last two weeks in particular, he's done 32 and 7 points. Um, so the last two weeks have been a shocker. I guess what I'm trying to decide on, Billy, is, you know, do you say that the weekend's game, the weather was terrible, so you should be happy with 32 anyway, which is kind of how I thought about it, or do you sort of say, well, you got seven the week before, though, he's really not taken any hit-ups. A month ago, he only got 25 because of it as well. You know, and maybe he's just sort of, he's done. Mate, honestly, I reckon, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this, I reckon Sivo's in the change room talking to Ferguson going, mate, what I'll say to you is that I'm, I'm looking I'm forward to Mike Acevo being the Roosters 2021 winger when he wants to leave the club for the last oh, month right. I've been disappointed but I, I'm going to hold him because I don't see any value in dumping him because this week against the Dragons 
there's every chance he gets a double again and scores sort of 80 plus. So I, I just, I don't see the value with, with limited trades and getting rid of him. And if I, you know, if, unless I had like a million trades, I, I don't think I could advise anyone to dump him. I think there's more important things to probably sort out, especially when he's got a, a matchup against the Dragons. Surely it's the last straw. You give you yeah, one, more, pro- one more round this week. If, if, if nothing, then you trade him straight to Lomax. Uh, how frustrating is he, mate? He scored 50, 50, 40, 50 for the first five rounds of the season. Did nothing at fullback. Just a couple of goals. They were losing every single bloody game. Goes to, goes to wing, then goes to centre, and all of a oh, sudden... He's oh, killing look, it. I can score 75 points a, a week. Every week. Every week. Every week. Unbelievable. Yeah. Got zero bait. Oh no, I'm exaggerating now because I've had a bit of wine. He's not. He's not. He's not zero base. But I tell you what, every single time the ball goes out wide to him, he just looks dangerous. He could have. He could have like a team of Tonka trucks in front of him, mate. He's still get around it. Yeah, um, I don't see him getting worse, and that's probably the most disappointing thing. Like he's a he's a play every week, and to be honest, both the statistics that have happened since mid-season for the Dragons is that both Dragon centres have actually done really well. So their attack has obviously changed where both those centres are doing really well for the Dragons. Aiken and um, and Lomax have both killed it. Lomax is obviously a keeper, but uh, I wouldn't... I put it to you this way, and you tell me what you think, but I I would not find 250 grand to upgrade a centre wing. Because I just think at this point there's far more important upgrades and ways to spend that money in every other spot than centre wing, which is why I'm holding. It's why I'm holding Sevo, mate. Because who do I trade him to? You know, he's worth a shade over four hundred yeah. grand. I'm not going to find money to, to get him to someone like Lomax. Who would I trade him to if I did? And he's just as likely this week to put up a good score. So I, I just don't see it as a, a need to trade him out. Yeah, look, honestly, you just hold him one more week and hope, hope, hopefully he does something. I'm not sure how long you're holding for. No, I'm just leaving him. Surely this, like this next week against the Storm, the last straw for you. You know, and I'll play, uh, I'll no. play like a, a Cotric Titans matchup or something, you know, and throw oh, Cotric okay. in. But I just, I just don't see any point. And I mean, I guess this is sort of part of our strategy chat at the start. I don't see any point when you've got so many guys you need to get out of your side to bother with your centre wings, you know. If you've got playable guys in your centre wing, I, I just hold them and not waste the trade. I reckon he kills the next week rest of the store. I reckon Dylan Brown attacks that line and by the end of the first 40 minutes goes, you know what, these guys are pretty good, I can't get through. <laughs> well, I'll tell you chuck- what, in the, in the serious the stakes, like for it's the non-owners, <laughs> he might be 350 grand for the last four weeks of the season and he's going to hit uh, the Warriors, Penrith, Broncos, Tigers. Obviously, uh, we've got Madison coming back. He, he should play the first 80 minutes, so you've got to start him. Um, but on the Dragon side, we've already given all the props in the world to Lomax. Do you see anyone in this side of the Eels or the Dragons that's worth the C or the VC for this round? If you really, really wanted a pod, I'd VC Moses, but I wouldn't straight to see him. Gutho, I can't see him scoring that many. Look, he, he, really, he really needs to be goalkeeping. Look... The, the the only person I can see being VC worthy this week would be um would be um Moses, but they're going to have to put a lot of points on. He's going to have to do it himself, and he's going to kick a shitload of goals. It is at Bank West, which is good. Where's 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 oh, it's at Bank West? Yeah, okay, so that's obviously in our favour. Um, look, if it's raining, it'll be a lot closer. It'll be you know twenty to sort of sixteen type game. If it's dry, um, I think the Eels get up. But I've been tipping against the Eels the last couple of weeks. I didn't think they'd sort of get up, but um. 
I'm glad they have. But um, yeah, look, I think I think dry track. No, nah, Vaughan's still out. So their their forward pack's um, really uh, weak. Is Paul Vaughan playing or is he out? Lane Paulo will probably both have a field day with uh, this forward pack that the Dragons are, are putting up. Uh, I think that if it's a dry track, there is potential. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but there is potential that the Eels put up a big score. And like, I'm talking like 30 to 40 points on, on the Dragons. Um, that could happen. So I'm definitely playing all my Eels. I wouldn't be benching anyone in this one. On the on the next game, the Sharks versus Titans, though, I'll tell you what, when you're talking about not benching anyone, if even if you've got some Sharks in the woodwork that you forgot that you're your own, if you're ever going to play them, you'd think it was this week, but the Titans looked really good on the weekend. They, they made the Cowboys look really stupid. I'm waiting for Rudolph still. Britt Nacore is in Jersey 19, so... You have to, you don't know week to week when Britt Nakora is going to come back. Rudolph's named to start again. He did drop down to the bench on the weekend though, so we need to wait and see what happens. He was, uh, not every week. He, he, he was playing really well last week he, and, and, and it was wet too. Like he was outstanding. Uh, they didn't, they, they actually ripped him off, um, about 15 minutes towards the end and put him back on for the last five or something <laughs> or other. I, I think from memory because I was looking, for, I was looking for that hair all over the place. But, um, um, yeah, and, but but the week before he didn't actually go on until I think oh, the 26th or 27th minute. So he only got sort of 15 minutes before half time, and he only got sort of uh, 20 minutes after half time. So he was only on for about uh, 35, 40 minutes or something. Yeah, like I mean but, he, um, he's been a, uh, been not a good player off and before. on. Uh, it'd be nice if he had a consistent role for the owners, so that you knew what you were going to get from him every week. But the Titans looked really good um, against the Cowboys. I think that the, yeah. this is one of the first weeks where we've got a real Titans buy to talk about that's in the top six most traded in players at the moment, and that is AJ Brimson. So Brimson came back last week, and he he looked really good. He was a big reason why the Cowboys went so well. Uh, actually, up to number five most traded in now. He's only 360k. He's a dual fullback 5'8", so I guess he's a downgrade from a Luai or something like that to find some cash and someone that you might be able to play. He's got a break-even of three, so he's going to start making some cash. 1% owned, so he's got a complete pod. Obviously, coming up against the Shark side, he's coming off 112 points against the Cowboys. He's going to get his first cash rise after the Sharks game. But he's been someone in the past, Billy, where we've seen him sometimes at fullback, and he's been fantastic, and we've gone, oh, wow, he, he might be a big buy for the future. He always seems to get hurt, and then he always has, seems to have some stinkers that come into his games as well. So... Where do you sit on the, the Alex Brimson buy at 360k this week? Oh, he's not the worst, but I wouldn't be taking a risk on him. I think the, the, the mere fact, look, if you had to trade out, um, uh, what do you call it, a monster for someone this week, you've obviously got en- enough money to get downgrade to, or, or sideways, do, do a lateral to the Cleary or, or SJ Shed. So you're not going to go to Brimson. Um, <clears throat> if you've got Luai, you're not going to downgrade to him because Luai's got, uh, uh, Warriors, so I can't really see any reason why anyone would downgrade to him. Um, in saying that, he did play well last week, but um, I'm not sure if it was him or the cows that sort of offered him that kind of opportunity. So he's, he, he would kind of be like a one a one week wonder. Um, but if you're going to do that, are you really going to sort of spend like downgrade to someone that's that sort of price, knowing that you can't play him the week after, or you're taking a yeah, play him the week he's after? He's a no for me, um, and it's because I I just don't want him. I just don't want him sitting around if it was my team. Um, that's a, that's the main thing. I don't think you can trade him out. Like we said earlier, like even if he makes some cash and goes well, you you're not going to be able to trade him out. 
even if like I looked at his numbers when he came up as the top ten most traded in, and when he was playing fullback last year, like he had one massive game where he scored ninety points. All the rest of the games at fullback, and he had about ten of them, was was sort of between ninety and sort of sixty, low sixties points. So he really wasn't going that well. Most of his games were uh, sort of forties and fifties, um, and that sort of seems to be the sort of player that he is. Obviously, the, the Titans might be going a little bit better this year, but he's still got those low scores in him. You know, he had he had a score of nine um, last year in reduced minutes at fullback, so that's fair enough. But then he had another score, which wasn't at fullback. It was in the halves, but he threw up a 13. Who knows if he gets moved around. His lowest score at fullback last year was 24. So you just don't want that as an AE, in my opinion, and you don't want to waste two trades in getting him in and out. So... He doesn't tick the box as a gun, and he doesn't tick the box as someone that I can play every now and then as a sort of a bit of a depth. He's a no for me, and I just think it's a bit late in the season. Yeah, I think only having sort of 10, 12 trades left is the reason for that. So I think if you're going to get out, you just do a significant cash out right now. Um, would have been more ideal sort of last week, you know, having to sort of cash out someone like, you know, Hines at that sort of price, and then not having to play bloke anymore. Yes, Jeff. Obviously, we've spoken about him a lot, so I'm not going to go through all these numbers again. We told people to buy him two months ago. He was only 500 grand. He's now 665 grand. Um, 27% of teams own him, and that seems low, Billy, because even on the weekend, on an absolute mud bath, probably the worst conditions I've seen all season that, that um, the Sharks and Power played in, he still scored 63 points, and that was with missing all of his kicks for Cole. And he hasn't actually scored um, below 60s for a month, and even then it was five weeks ago for a 56, uh, which was only his you know one below 60 score since round four. He's absolutely killed it. Had a, a try assist pretty much every week at least, and a line break assist most of those weeks as well. Against this Titan side, even if they're improved, SJ looks like an absolute mint option. And I said that Cleary should be the number one guy that you buy if you don't own him versus the Warriors. If there's a number two guy, it's probably Sean Johnson. Yeah, I was filthy at that. I had um had fifty bucks on Katoa first try <laughs> score and score. Yeah, they keep moving around those wingers, which is tough. Um, I'm going to throw uh, one out for you with this. I'm at the moment tentatively got the V C Cleary and the C on Sean Johnson. Yep, that's uh it's a decent throughout the stumps. Are you are you considering putting the C on him yourself? Only because I ha- don't have him. <laughs> no, I, I, I would. Uh, yeah, no, it's. I was 10k short of him. I, just, I was. Go- I was going uh, him and Bateman, but I was short, so I decided to go with um, uh, Bateman and Sol oh, Smith instead of Johnson. Monster. And, and I don't like to. Um, give, I don't like to give people of, uh, appearing Johnson. on the, the podcast advice, but since you're on here all the time with me, mate, I'll tell you. Get short shots in. <laughs> Come on, get the Titans. All time highest score. Gold Coast Titans, 153 points. Which he hasn't done for a couple of years. He's been consistent around 70, 80 mark lately with no... He just doesn't seem to run like he used to. He's not making as many runs, so I'm happy to risk that. I'm not going to make you feel bad. Don't own Sean Johnson, that's fine. Um, (laughs) The Titans have improved. Where do you see this one going? For me, I, I see the Sharkies winning, but I don't really know as far as... How much buy or anything? I've got absolutely no idea. It could be a real tight one. I don't know. I just think there's going to be super coach points in it. I'm sure Harold Holt <laughs> thinks sees the Shark is winning too, mate. <laughs> I've got no idea. You'd look. 
Uh, look, you, you, you would say Sharks. Sharks probably by a good sort of 16, 16 points, but the uh, Titans are a bit better than what they have been. Maybe they're playing with a bit of heart. I don't know. But, um, yeah, look, if it's a dry track, um, 16 plus easy. If not, then, yeah, I've got no idea. Cowboys versus Rabbits. So Cowboys got Drinkwater back at fullback, which is going to help them, but it does mean that the Hammers push onto the wing, uh, which makes him quite the sell. I, I, I reckon it probably makes him better because he's kick. Let's face it, he's kick. The mere fact that you've got sort of drink water back, maybe he just gets a couple of balls. He's got a bit of a high break even. I think it's sort of maybe the time just to just to pull a pin on the hammer. But maybe he will score a few tries. I've got no doubt in the next six or seven weeks, the hammer will put up a, a two or three try performance, and everyone that's sold him will get annoyed. For the rabbits, we've got Sewer returning from suspension, so Liam Knight's back on the bench. Um, and Latrell is apparently managing a leg injury. So, first things first, Latrell was one of the guys that I um, was considering buying last week and ended up not doing it. He scored 63, but to do that, he had a line break try assist and also a line break himself and some TBs. So, I was relatively happy that I stayed off him. This is a great matchup for him, but he is managing that leg injury. So, I, I kind of think that those couple of factors means that he's probably not going to be a buy. Um, on the trade market watch, there isn't too many uh, Souths or Cowboys players featuring in it. We do have, for the traded-in category, none, in fact, from either side. For the traded-out category, a lot of people are going to be jumping off the hammer. Number four most traded-out guy. Makes perfect sense. So not really much to talk about on the trade market. Um, but as far as the rest of the South side go... We spoke about Cody Walker a couple of weeks ago as potentially being a pod. Didn't work out last week scoring 40-odd points. But against his Cowboys side, if you own him, um, I could see him going pretty well. So he's someone that I think will score well. I don't have the balls to bring him in because of his low scores. But if you did, I reckon this is a game where he could go off. Well, if he can't go off this week, mate, he's never going to go off. If you own him, you're surely going to play him this week. But if you don't own him, you're not going to bring him in. His, his floor is just too low. Um, you know he's got to go over the line. Uh, he, he's one of those guys where, uh, if you look at the last three or four years, the first sort of uh, ten games of the season, he just seems to sort of get up, get over the line and have an average of sort of 80 for a while and then just sort of dies off. So, um, Cam Murray, I had penciled in as one of my guys I wanted to buy for the run home. And I mentioned him last week in, in um, some players of interest for sort of the next two-week period. I've now crossed him off the list, mate. He's gotten 80 minutes the last two weeks, but he's only scored 53 and 60 points, and he got moved to the edge last week. Even playing 80 minutes, it's, it's just not happening for him at 53. He's only 560 gram, but he's got a 93 BE, so he's going to be cheap in a couple of weeks. But I'm I'm no longer seeing him as one of the buys to get him your side and just keep. Um, do you disagree with me? Do you still think that Cam Murray might be a, an end-of-season run gun for you to have in your second row to buy? No, no, I haven't, haven't considered him at all all year. Um, I think, actually, no, that's a lie. I think I tossed and turned around in, over him um, pre-season when he was sort of sec- second row versus lock and just decided, look, he needs to be in the middle, not an edge, but it ended up turning out to be the right decision. So, the f- whether he plays 50 minutes in the middle or sort of uh, 80 minutes on the edge, just can't take either at the moment, especially the way sort of uh, Cook's going. So, no, not interested in him at all. Um, you're in a pretty tough spot because the Cowboys were awful last week, absolutely awful. And 
If they play like that again, Souths are going to put 50 on them, if Souths are on. Uh, but Cam Ray's got 93 B. So if you owned him, you know, for those owners, would you cut bait now or would you hold him to play this week? Oh, hell no. Look, it's, it's, it's not 193, man. It's, it's only 93 and it's what, what, $500 a point roughly. So it, even if he, even if he scored, and he scores sort of 50, which Murray can do. 700 uh, a point it, these days, mate. In sleep, yeah. no, you sleep, mate. It's 40% more than what you think. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd hold him for this week. You do the math. Just for a big score because um, the, the cows were that bad last week. Cook's obviously been yeah. pretty disappointing, um, but I've I just must be glutton for punishment because I'm still I'm still penciling him in to look at training him in. He's 135 BE, which means that uh, next week he'll probably be around the 575k mark, and I'm thinking that I can actually make some money on him by going a. Um, Harry Grant to cook, um, and I just think that he's going to be too cheap for me not to do it if I'm if I'm going to have the trades and I'm going to need a hooker. One of the things with South that's been interesting is that their forward pack hasn't been anywhere near as good. So because of that, uh, I do think that Tom Oliver comes into the conversation as a captaincy option. He does have a three-round average of 86 points, uh, 71, 109, and 79. So he has been better than when he had his little drop-off for a couple of weeks. Has he, sorry, has he been playing in minutes or is, I, I kind of thought he dropped off a little, I wasn't sure whether he dropped off minute wise or whether he dropped off attitude wise or whether he dropped off because of the rain because there's been a couple of real sloshy shitty rounds lately and it's, it, it is hard to expect sort of forwards to sort of don't do their thing, you know, sort of hit-ups and tackle busts. Yeah, so there's been a real change, mate. So the last three rounds, he's got an 86 average, and across that time, he's averaged about 68 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, The three rounds prior, so we're talking round 8 through to round 10, he actually only averaged about 68 points, so a fair bit less, and to do that, he was only getting around 62, 63 minutes a game. So he's definitely getting more minutes, um, and he's definitely getting more points, that's for sure. So his points in particular have skyrocketed, but he's ended up getting five or six extra minutes the last few weeks as well, which on his PPM makes a, makes a big difference. Makes a massive, yeah, yeah 100%. Do you, do you think, considering this house pack has given points away to the opposition, do you reckon that Lolo might be one to put the C on as a safety? As a safety, hundred percent. Um, I would, I would much rather him sort of this week, uh, given that the South League points as well, as opposed to doing it on Haas. Um, Haas probably has the, uh, the, uh, the, the added benefit that, um, what Lot lodges out and TP, TPJ is out. So he's probably looking at some more minutes again after a bit, but they're still, they're, they're still not in the hunt. I mean, um, Actually, it's probably a good point for Cowboys as well. Not, not neither of them, neither of them are really in the hunt. But if I had to pick uh, between the two, I'd probably back sort of um, um, Lalo more of a chance to go over the line. Uh, I actually quite like him, and he's one of the three or four options that I've got on my little bit of paper to consider for the for the captaincy this week. Um, other thing too, mate, is that the, the Cowboys have to bounce back. Like they, they cannot play like they did last week. Last week was just abysmal. They just did not turn up. So you'd think that Tom Lola would be pumped up and angry. Do you, how do you see the game going? Do you think the Cowboys are going to put in or do you think it's going to be a repeat performance of last week and a 50 nil thrashing? Oh, I mean, I, I don't think any, any, any team sort of at the, uh, NRL level turns up, turns up on a, the Cowboys did last Saturday week. or Sunday and says, you know what? <laughs> no, fuck this, I'm not really going to sort of put in, um, <laughs> Yeah, okay. You're the anchor man. You take this away. 
I'm just waiting for our curious. All right, well, <laughs> let's move on to the next game. Raiders versus Broncos, and this one for the Raiders, they've got no changes, um, and John Bateman's free to play after being cleared by the match review committee, which is good news. Broncos have sacked Tavita Pengai Jr., which seems insane. Um, ben Teo comes into the starting back row. Jordan Ricky named for his NRL debut. So let's just let's start with the Broncos. The Broncos just keep being the Broncos this year. And when you think that they've hit a rock bottom, they just they move the rocks out of the way and they find a new bottom every single week. Tavita Pengai Jr. I understand it was a bad breach and everything, but surely there's got to be more to it to just rip up his contracts. Like, that's that's incredible. i tell you what, I was watching it two weeks ago, offloading sort of six or seven times in the first half, going two, four, six, eight. Well, that's a lot of points. Um, maybe we might have to get him next week, only to find out that, you know, his minutes kind of get cut off at a certain point, no line breaks, no nothing, and he, he ends up on sort of 65 points, so... I tell you what, he looks bloody good at. He, he he looks good on the eye, but just hasn't eventually. No. So for feeder, yeah, already top ten most traded in, and I tell you something, he's already, already fif- really, fifteen percent owned. Like I, I did not expect that at all. Fucking hell! Um, and it's coming off a, a seventy-nine point performance on the weekend, albeit with a try. Yeah, and he did exactly the same thing when he was on forty points in round two before he got injured. That that's what inflated him to a seventy. Yeah, it's, it's a um, bit of a tough mate, one. There seems to be two me. camps. There seems to be some people that are that are really big on the um, on the purchase of Fafita and that think that he's going to be a keeper and a bargain around the five hundred fifteen k mark. Uh, and then obviously the other camp, which I'm in, and it sounds like you are too. Of I just think there's too many better second row forwards, and he's leaving as well. And he's a young guy; he could check out the way the Broncos are going. You know, he could get sacked next week. The way it's going, look. It just it doesn't seem worth it, does it? <laughs> nah, he, he's look, he's a gun player, but the, look honestly, the reason why we were all so excited about him was because um, at his price and at the beginning of the season when he had a salary cap, he just fit in perfectly. If you don't own Madison because you got rid of him, get Madison in. Yeah, there's plenty of other guys. Even 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 even, even on the Chooks thing, it's like I, I'd. I'd as much as I love Angus, I'm, I'd, I'd be even reluctant to buy him. Like you've got sort of Cordner on one side, Angus on the other side. Then you've got all the well, it's the same lineup. SBW they had before, aside from SBW, like, so who takes he, minutes he should who? go back to his eighty minutes. You'd expect, but on the season, Angus is the number one forward. So I put Angus ahead of you know getting a David for feeder in. Uh, the number one guy to talk about isn't in the top ten most trading guys, but it is one of the top ten most discussed guys, and that's John Bateman. So, you know, Bateman didn't have a fantastic week last week, um, but, you know, as he always does, he scored solidly. So he's coming in at 668k, he's got 103b, and he's going to have his first price change. He's only in 5% of teams. Um, he came in and scored 88 points on his first game of the season, and he scored 56 points against the Panthers on the weekend. I don't think that's too bad. Um, he's one of the buyers that I'm looking at, Billy. I know you mentioned that you are as well. Uh my selling point for him is that he's 5% owned. Not many people are going to shell out cash for him now. The Broncos' edge, as we've talked about all year, is one of the worst that you can you can get as far as leaking points. He's going to smash that, and then he's going to smash the Gold Coast Titans' edge, and then he's going to hit the Bulldogs' edge. Then he's going to have a hard game against the Roosters, and then look at the edges that he's got again for the last three weeks. St. George, Warriors, Sharks. 
Canberra has one of the best draws that you can have. And Bateman's just as likely to go 100 points this week as he is to go his 56 again. So I'm I'm heavily trying to get him in, and I think that people should be getting him in more than what they are. Exactly what you said. Talk about you, brother. I uh, I see Canberra killing the Broncos, mate. It's just with all the Seabold rumours that sound terrible and just everything. Ben Iken maybe going in as a CEO. Bangai getting sacked. All this stuff. Like surely the Raiders just put it on him this week. Mate, they could do better by uh, putting uh, Ben Eichmann back in the second <laughs> row and um, TPJ in the director role. Oh, on, like on 360 tonight, they, they said, um, <laughs> what, said ben oh, what are you going to do when you go in? And I sat, I was just sitting on my lounge thinking, mate, you, what, you can't do anything. The place is gone. Like, I don't understand why someone like Ben Eichmann wants the job. Just stay at Fox Studios and just talk about football. Don't, don't give yourself the headache, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mate, I'm... Look, it's obviously not the same, but I, I played baseball for sort of 30 years and my club sort of used to pump sort of two, three million dollars a year into the, the baseball league, but it got to the point where all your, the board of directors were a bunch of drunks and we didn't know how to manage money and we ended up, ended up a laughing stock for sort of 20 years before we sort of folded. So I know exactly what the Broncos are going through. It's obviously a different kind of level, but, um, yeah, it, it's not nice when your name's sort of been shit on, but look, I hope. An ex stalwart or sort of club member can kind of step up and do something. The worst thing that can happen is that um, people at the Broncos think like they always have, that they can just turn it around in 12 months and be a contender, because uh, I just don't think it'll work out well at all. I think it's a two to three year plan, and, and I'm saying two years to have some pain and maybe miss the eight for, for a year or two is, is what they're going to have to do. But we'll wait and see. Um, as far as other buyers for this, this Raiders team, um, when we're talking about captaincy and vice-captain options, I don't think that I have the balls to captain Bateman, but a ballsy play is someone else that we've spoken about a little bit, and that's Josh Papali. He's only got a three-round average of, of 64 points, um, but before that he had um, an 82 and 98 where he scored tries in three out of his four games, and he could... Oh, I, I would back Papali to probably go for a try if not some attacking stats against the Broncos, and he might be a bit of a smoky pod. Definitely a smoky bite, 590k, the, the run that's coming up. Yeah, look, look if, if I had to do a captaincy option in this team, I was still sort of... Uh, uh, if, I, if I had sort of a million bucks and I was going to throw something down, I'd, I'd, it would have to be sort of on, on hearth still. Complete pod moves, and you did not care about the repercussions or being upset, which will be likely outcomes. Uh, you could go for, uh, you know, um, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss Teddy and I'm going to go Nickel Clockstad for the next couple of weeks because he's going to make money and he's going to hit the Broncos, Titans and Bulldogs. Or I'm going to miss out on Ponga maybe for that few week period. I mean, it would be a bit crazy, but it is one of those things in Supercoach where some of those unknown players can, can outscore someone with a good draw for a few weeks. I'll tell you what, if you're in the sort of top 300 or 400 and you're struggling to break into the top 100 and you really want to get in the cash, the only way to do that, well, sorry, not the, not the only way to do it, but one of the better ways to do that is to completely get rid of one of the one of the highest owned players inside the top 100 or 200, and that's going to be Teddy. So if you think you can get you can do a, a quick sort of sneaky and do something like you know Teddy to CNK when Teddy's got the storm and CNK's got Broncos. Maybe just, if you got the yeah, trade, it you isn't want to do like if you if you want to try and mix it up worst. and take a big risk, it is a big risk play. But four, three out of the next four games are at GIO Stadium for the Raiders, and like we said, the next three are the Broncos, Titans, and Bulldogs. So 
he could do some crazy stuff and, and throw a CK in at 500k with a low BE and, and just sort of make some money and get some big points, hopefully. So it is a, a very, very pot option. I'm going to actually play Kotrick this week. I'm going to dust him off. He's been sitting there unplayable. And I'm going to play him this week against the Broncos because that's how confident I am that the Raiders are going 13 plus. I can't, I reckon they're going to go 20 plus against the Broncos. I just think the Broncos are a shambles. It's a GIO stadium and it's just going to be carnage. The other one is Jordan Rapana. So those who did buy Jordan Rapana a couple of weeks ago, dust him off as well. You'd be playing him this week. His work rate was his work rate was down. He was coming back from rugby. Not sure he was unfit. What did he call it? No, no idea. Went went to fullback for a, fullback for a week. It's been wet, but I tell you what, mate. I, I know I know it's not the Chooks. I know he's not sort of Brett Morris, but I tell you, but I tell you what, with that sort of draw, all he's got to do is fall over the line a couple of times. Maybe maybe a couple of fans. He's still got it. He's still got it. He's still got that fan. He's not going to have zero tackle busts or, or zero runs. So you know he's good for sort of 25, 30 points. And if, and if he can get over the line, you know, at least twice in three games, you, there's a few. Yeah, no, with the draw up. the next so few weeks, I, I reckon, I think I reckon he can do better than that. Shout. He's only 267k, 15 PE. I will just say the caveat is that he can be an AE problem where he's going to throw up a, a 19 or 20 point outing, which he's done a, a couple of times this year. Yeah, I don't mind the option. If you needed, especially if you needed some centre wing depth, I think it's a pretty good shout by you to maybe look at him, and especially because you can play in the next three weeks. Seagulls is the next one. Daniel Safidi's back uh, for the Seagulls side. We've got the power named, but he failed his concussion test last week, still has to pass protocol. Uh, so there is a chance that Tapao's not going to play. Fanua Blake did his PCL, so he's out for a month, so there's a chance that Melia are without both their front row forwards. Curtis Heron and Joel Thompson are both back. We didn't play last week, which is good. Against his Knights side, um, the Knights got a good win last week, and obviously the first person to talk about is Kalen Ponga. So we we saw a few weeks of him where Ponga was obviously down a fair bit and wasn't going that well, but he's really turned it on uh, last week. 630 grand now. He just went up $78,000. So if you thought you were going to get him in a bargain, you stuffed up not buying him earlier. Six percent of coaches are training him in at the moment, Billy. He is only uh he's in thirty-five percent of teams now, so he's starting to get back up there. He still has a minus nine BE though, so he's still gonna go up more money. Um hundred and seventy-two points. The weeks before just quietly he went seventy, sixty-six, and ninety-two, so it's not like he wasn't showing some form again. But that one seventy-two is brilliant, and against a manly side that could be a bit under strength, if you want Kalen Pong in this year, you have to pay up now to get him. Oh yeah, and, and it's not like he wasn't performing in those other teams too. Like he he went very very close to putting um, best over a couple of times. He got just a couple of centimeters short. Um, he got held up in, held up himself on the right hand side. So th- those sixty fives or whatever they were, mate, those were bare minimum sixty fives. He was he was a big dick away. From if you don't have him, just get him. We, we've said that a few times with Pog when he's been cheap. Just get him. Just get him. Guess this manly side, mate. I. He's another captaincy option, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty it's hard that. with like the Pongers, the, the SJs, and the Clearies. It's it's going to be interesting because maybe it'll 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 push out the numbers a little bit, so it, it'll actually separate people. Like you won't have thirty percent of coaches just going for one captain. It's going to be a really interesting week. Yeah, it'd be good. Good, good to get some um, not some pods, but some difference in in or segregation of the of the seas, mate. Just to try and break it up a bit. They're manly fans, but they're really under strength and they don't have much going on at the moment. Um, and for the Knights side, really, it's 
Pong is the most relevant guy there. Daniel Safidi coming back helps, but I wouldn't buy him. Is there anyone else that you're interested in in this one? Not that I'm interested in buying him, but I'm interested in talking about him. I didn't... I've been, you know, I've been heavily sort of critical of Jervo saying he's like, he's overrated and he's the little, he, he was the lay of the year last year for me and he dead set reduced in price every single week the entire year. This year, not much better, but his average the last three weeks of 90. What? I haven't been watching the games close enough because I've been fast forwarding them in between so the kids whinging and moaning about their dinner, but. I've noticed he's had a couple of tries here lately. Has he been looking better or has he just kind of... Basically... His base has actually gone up quite a bit. So he's been close to it, just under a 67 base. So that's his last month. Yeah, so his base for the year is 59. So he's straight his good. base Pretty up an extra 7 to 8 points the last month of footy. Um, and I think it's because they've had so many injuries. Like, for Noah Blake's missed games, the power's gone off early, injured in the middle as well. They've had both their back rowers gone, so it's stuffed up the rotations a little bit. I think that he's just really pulled his sleeves up. Other thing too is I kind of laughed on the weekend because I was like, because I saw, I saw him offload and I was actually looking to see the number because I thought it must meet someone else because he doesn't offload. But he, he threw an offload on the weekend as well and it was effective. So he, the last <laughs> month of football, he has been a lot better on his base and, and also looking to pass a little bit more um, in attack. So yeah, there, there has been a difference whether that keeps up or not. I don't know, but he's got a 39B, 600 grand at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good shout-out, though. He has been going better, and the numbers um, yeah. have been a month straight now. He's been significantly higher in his base, so it's a good shout from Billy. Um, I don't see any other way for this one to go than a Knights victory. I think that they turned the corner a bit last week, but Manly had just been pounded with injuries, and I, I can't see them going much better this week. Last game of the round is the uh, Tigers uh, versus yeah, Bulldogs. Not quite the blockbuster to finish off the round, but they seem to keep doing that week after week. Um, Jacob Little is returning. Fortunately, they obviously lost Walters last week as well as Grant on the pine. Mbai goes back to centre. Talao goes back to the wing. Um, and Garner's recalled to the back row. Alex Twell's been named, so that's... Um, oh, sorry. Alex Twell's actually not been named, I should have said. Um, he, so he's been really frustrating for owners that have actually held on to him. Uh, for the dog side, Avarillo is out, so at least we're not going to lose money if we have to hold the Armadillo after he scored a paltry six on the weekend. Um, Lock and Lewis is suspended, so Cog is in. So the dogs are a little bit under strength in this one, mate. Um, and even guys like Raymond Fatalamara that looked good for a few weeks have started to fall off for them. I can't see much much love in this dog side as far as Supercoach goes. The only little bit of little bit of love I've been throwing lately is kind of a, a first try score or any time try score on RFM just for a bit of fun. Um, he's been chucking up sort of <coughs> five, five bucks a week, so I've been having a bit of a play with him. But apart, apart from apart from that... On the Tiger was, side of things, number nine most trading player is David Nofaluma, though. And I see a lot of interest in doing this. He's got a 93 BE, but he's only 590k. And he... He's got big game written all over him against his Bulldogs matchup. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. I um, I grabbed him um, a couple of weeks ago and pretty pretty excited. No foul against the dogs. I reckon it might. Oh, the pro- the pro- problem is I couldn't I couldn't do it, mate. Last last game of the round, hanging on a winger to score sort of you know, something. Look, you know he's going to get sort of forty five forty five to fifty points just being on the park in, in, in hit ups and tackle busts, but. Really needs to go over the line just to get an 80. 
and I think there's plenty of other options available for uh, for a well, safe for a I, safe I VC. I think he's more of a VC, balls, mate. I just can't do it. If I needed to uh, win a head-to-head matchup, I tell you what, he he's someone that you could throw the hail mary on. And I've seen a few guys ask like, "Oh, this is my matchup. I'm behind 200 points. There's only three games left. What do I do?" This is the type of move that you do. You put the C on Nofo and you hope for the best because he is someone who could throw up 125. Yeah. I reckon he's going 100 plus this week for sure. I'm, I'm really confident in it. Hey, some other guys on the Tigers side though, I'm going to mention quickly. You said that you've still got Luciano Leilua. I sold him last week and I had the shits big time. He scored 83 and got another try. He, he looked like he was on nothing, mate. Like, I don't know if you watched the game. He looked like he'd done nothing and I looked and he had 53 points somehow. And I was, oh, thought he would have been on 30. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I tried to sell him a little while back, but he just went on that sort of, what do you call it? <laughs> I think I, I'm pretty sure from memory it was that round where um, Madison got injured and I had to play him and I had the shits, but yeah, he ended up scoring 128 yep. and I kind of figured, <laughs> oh, thanks, Maddo. Appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so that's kind of kept him for a couple of weeks and he's, he's, he's had a try or two since, so, which is good, so. If I owned Adam Dewey this week, um, I'd definitely be playing him, and I reckon he's going to be in for a big game. He's gone 60 and 75 the last two weeks. The poor kid was in tears last week because of his performance and, and all the emotion with the the Beirut stuff and everything. And I, I just think that he's been going well the last couple of weeks. He's still got a three-round average of 55, which includes a 30. And he's got a 13 BE at 400K. So as far as hard to decide what centre wings to play, um, I'd be pretty pretty happy to be playing him this week against the Dogs. I reckon he's in for a decent score. Yeah, mate, I agree. Um, I said, must have been six, six weeks ago on the podcast, and I reckon you see a difference in Adam Dewey the second half of the season. So, um, how much, how much, how, how much yeah. of an improvement? I don't know. Yeah, from around <laughs> 9 to 11, he, <laughs> he averaged sure. about 32 points, and he just had 34, 30, and 30, and it was just terrible. But then he goes on runs where he goes 75 and 60 like the last two weeks. So he's definitely got a good run. So, I mean, if he wasn't 400 grand, like if he was 300 grand, I'd actually look at him as a downgrade and have him as one of your alternate bench, bench center wings. He's a good runner. Like he, he he's kind of like a, a really big fullback. Like what, what's, he's not quick off the mark like Teddy or, or Dufty. That, that's for sure. But what, what, once he gets going, mate, he can, he can get through a line. He can get through some tackles, but he just needs to get on first and, Unfortunately, he doesn't have too many of them. But it, look, I think he's a lot better player than what he's been getting credit for, or sorry, getting criticised for the last couple of years. Because a lot of super coaches look at him and go, "Mate, he's dog shit." He played for um, uh, uh, rabbits last year and just pretty much did absolutely nothing. But to be fair, some of those games were on a wing. He's got a chance at fullback now, and I think it might be an entertaining game. You know, I think there'll be a fair few points in it. Billy, that's the last one, mate. So thanks for jumping on again. Good luck with your trades this week. Hopefully, Matto plays and the Eels kill it. Yeah, mate. I'll be happy just with a uh, break of 1100 and the Eels winning, mate. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll chat again soon. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, you can download us as normal or subscribe on iTunes, uh, or you can jump onto SoundCloud and do it there as well. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Good luck with your trades this week and your big captaincy and VC choices, and we can all rejoice about it next week.